0: Michael, welcome to the cave.
1: Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
0: How are you, man? What's new with you?
1: You know, a million and one things, all trying to squeeze it into one day. I'm doing all kinds of projects, but otherwise I'll be all right.
0: Yeah. How's uh, the whole quarantine treating you?
1: First, it was tough, but then we had a little break and we went out and made a film. And it's been okay. We're able to move around out here in Arizona, not like L.A. or New York. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, for the listeners, I mean, you're a... Let me get this straight. You're a director, writer, actor, producer. You own your own production company. Like, man, how do you have time for all that? Oh well, Yeah, that's a
1: good question. Uh, mainly an actor most of my life. I got into directing later. I like producing because that way I can control the project. And I've always liked writing. So, you know, writing, I sit down and write a couple of scripts and then I'm done for a long time. Directing, I only do one project once in a while. Acting, I try to do a lot. So I do juggle it. It works out okay. But I'm pretty happy with it.
0: Yeah. What do you enjoy the most out of all of
1: those? <laughs> Acting.
0: Yeah. Why why that over the other ones?
1: Uh, it's performance. It's being somebody else. It's getting into a character and living a different life for a while. It's trying to make the audience believe in me and my character that I really am a good actor or a decent actor. It's just, you know, it's not necessarily the fame, but it's like working every day and memorizing your lines and being center of attention and having makeup, do your makeup every day. I mean, it's just so much that, yeah. You know, and when you do the other stuff, you got too much business in your head. Everybody's in your face all the time. Give me money. I need a check. I got. So the acting's the best part for me.
0: Uh, you have a new movie coming, uh, premiering in November called Dream Round, and we'll talk about that. But let's get to know a little bit more about you, uh, for the listeners. Uh, where are you originally from?
1: Originally from upstate New York, Rochester. If anybody knows, it's up there between Buffalo and the city.
0: Huh. So, growing up there, how was it?
1: Cold, I had a shovel of snow.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm from Massachusetts, so I know all about it.
1: You uh, know, it, I mean, it was great. The, the we had lilacs, you know, great smell, Eastman Kodak. Ontario Lake uh, summers were great springs and falls were incredible winter was a little tough after the seventy after the 77 blizzard fam we all packed up I went to ASU and my mom and dad moved to Arizona but it was, it was okay I had a good kid life there but I really haven't been back except for the visit
0: yeah so how old were you when you kind of had an idea you wanted to get into like the entertainment industry I was in my mother's
1: womb just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that. I was uh, <clears throat> I was baseball. I played baseball. I was like uh, seventh grade. I was playing ninth grade baseball. In the seventh and eighth grade, I played JV in high school. By the time I was in my 11th grade, I couldn't play because un- you could only play two years of varsity in upstate New York. So I was riding my unicycle home from practice, baseball practice. And the drama coach and this girl, Ann, saw me. And they grabbed me and said, look, we need some more guys in our play. And I said, if you don't mind, I said, plays are for pussies. And they said, no, 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 we don't, no, don't talk like that. You're." What they really wanted was because I was well-liked. I was a great ball player. They just wanted more people in the audience. So when I went in there, they got me in. I saw the ladies in there bending over with their leotards and stretching. And I went, oh, yeah, I think I like this. So I went in there for the wrong reasons, and I read it, and I stunk. I felt like I was in the first grade reading again. Left, so nervous. Then three days later, the girls grabbed me and took me to the front door of the auditorium, and there I was. Boom. I got the lead role in a high school play. And it was really tough. It took many months to do the play. And then when we opened up and the curtains opened up, I froze. But once I started it and the curtains closed at the end and we got a standing ovation, I knew I was hooked. I felt the grease paint, going, grease paint going into my veins. That's right. kind of how it started. But that's not how I got into the film business. But that's how I started wanting to be in entertainment.
0: So I assume after you graduated, that's when you start pursuing more of it?
1: No. What happened was we were on a family vacation, and we were going to go to Florida. But somehow I talked my family into California. So we went to Los Angeles area, Hollywood, of course. My dad wanted to go to La Jolla. Had some friends down there. So we get to La Jolla. Everything's closed off by the beach. You can't get in. I got tape everywhere, trucks, trailers. I mean, it was like motorhome. What's going on? Well, Burt Reynolds, Liza Bonelli, and Gene Hackman were doing a movie called um, Lucky Lady. And uh, the security wasn't as tight as it is today. It was easy for me to skirt around. And Burt was signing a couple autographs before he went back into his trailer. And I was able to interrupt him. And he goes, you want an autograph? I said, no. I said, "Uh, I want to know how to be a star. <laughs> and he goes, you don't want an autograph? No, I don't want an autograph. And he looked at me. He goes, okay, kid, you're a smart ass. Let me tell you, I'm gonna give you a couple quick pointers, and then I gotta go. He said, you gotta reach for the stars. And I'm looking up. I'm like, huh? How am I gonna get up there? I have no idea. That's like millions. of miles. <laughs> I don't know how to. He goes, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta harness a feeling. And I'm like, okay, harnesses for like horses? I said to myself. You put them around? No, no, no. Because I was a kid. I was 15. He goes, no, is there anything out there that you really want to do in life that you really need bad? I go, yeah, my driver's license. I just got my learner's permit. That's it. Take that feeling and harness it, and I got it. He goes, I'll never quit. Never give up. Follow your dreams. Try to do it. Come back to L.A. Try to find an agent, blah, blah, blah. I got to go. kid. You left. So that's how I really got interested in it and doing stand-up comedy. As a kid in New York, I got to do comedy routines. When kids were going on Spring Bank, I was making 750 bucks a week playing the Catskills, the Poconos, New York City, Myrtle Beach, Miami, opening up for big-name people. And when I did finally get to school at Arizona State University back in the late 70s playing baseball, I met a lady in the wardrobe who ended up being my girlfriend who was working in a Wild West town and they were getting ready to shoot a uh, a, a, a Western uh, called Frank Coles in town. They needed an 18-year-old kid. At that time, I was 19. And I couldn't get the director to see me. He kept coming through. He directed some John Wayne movies. And stuff. His name was Vern Peel. Anyway, so finally they read me and he gave me the role. And I got my first movie playing baseball at ASU. I got, you know, I was working part time on the film, and everybody on the crew said you gotta move to Hollywood. So I moved to LA in nineteen eighty, and that's how it really started. Wow.
0: How come you didn't pursue stand up comedy? That was huge back then. Oh, I did. I
1: did big comedy for a while. Yeah problem was I finally make it to Vegas and I'm working in the Sahara and I'm with Sandy Hackett, Buddy Hackett's son, and we're doing the stuff. And I did a uh, convention and I started bombing because I wasn't reading my audience. I didn't realize what nationality or what color they were. And I was just doing my stupid, dirty Italian jokes that were really funny at 15, 16, 17, 18. But now I'm 19, 20, 21, and my hair's falling out. And I'm not that cute Italian kid during those dirty jokes about Italy and my family. So I started bombing and I kind of quit. I picked it back up in 85. I went on a small 10, 10, uh, comedy store, comedy club tour, even in Canada, I'd been 10 in Alberta and I just, just didn't feel it anymore. Now I'm a lot funnier than I was then. And my material now is so incredibly funny that I make everybody laugh. So yeah, I, I drove Uber for a couple of years recently. And I tried out my material on everybody. And now I have a great, great routine if I ever want to go back to it.
0: Have you thought about trying it again?
1: Yeah, I have thought about trying it again. But the problem is it's real filthy. I'm not a clean comedian. I'm a Uh, New York Italian and all my stuff is dirty. It's about growing old. It's about things I used to do that I can't do anymore. It's about, you know, when you see an old guy in the gym bending over, what do you see? I mean, stuff like that. It's just crazy. And I'm afraid to try it. But it, when I do it, people die laughing. But now with the Me Too movement and everybody's so on edge about everything, I'm afraid to go in. Hey, I may something, say something off color and I'll get thrown stuff at me. Maybe I'll get hit with a glass bottle or something. I don't know. Right. So I'm yeah. afraid to go back. out. Yeah.
0: And then that can follow you everywhere when you're doing your movies and stuff like that. Uh,
1: yeah, of course. Look what happened to Andrew Dice Clay. Same thing could yeah. happen to me with my routine, but I'm not going to pick on women or color. I just pick on the Italian race and my weight and my old age and stuff, but it's really funny, but it's really filthy.
0: <laughs> so now you got a new movie coming out called dream round. How exciting has this project been for you?
1: Uh, very exciting. Cause I actually started the concept back in 2005 and six, 2007. I shot a trailer We were trying to do a big funding race because we wanted to get Morgan Freeman to play the angel in the movie and uh, just couldn't get the money and it sat. And then we uh, got together with a local writer in town and we rewrote it and uh, started to fall together. I played a lot of golf. The baseball turned into golf. I got really good at it so that in my head, I thought that I could actually make the tour. I played. I was doing two-a-days like football. I was going out, and one day all putting, one day all chipping, one day all sand trap, and I was just doing it. And I got to go to some pro-ams. I actually got into the Reno Tahoe Open. I was in the longest-running open in the Camel. I forget what it's called in Reno, Nevada. I I got bombed out, didn't play very well, but I got to play with Rich Beam, and I got the uh, uh, Bubba Watson and those guys. Anyways, never made it. So I thought, wow, what if I did a movie with golf, a Rocky story, and I took that angel, heaven, God character that Morgan played back in those Bruce Almighty movies. Wow. And that's how I came up with the idea. That's how it got exciting. And that's how we came up with the idea, Dream Round. Oh, wow.
0: How long did it take you to write the movie? Uh,
1: I wrote it. In two or three weeks back then, and then the woman, uh, Lisa Houston, out here rewrote it in about a week. She just redid the whole thing. I kept giving her different scenes, but she put it together and did a nice job on it. So, all together, maybe between us, about a month.
0: Well, now, how did you, uh, for the listeners, you know, I know the movie comes out next month. Uh, tell us a little bit about it, without spoiling it, of course.
1: Well, okay. So, Dream Round, obviously, it's about a guy having the dream round of his life, so... The character that I play when he was younger could have been a pro golfer, but he decided to raise a family. He got married, had a couple of kids, and as he go through life, he got busy at work and he forgot about the family, forgot about the golf. Although he did, a lot of, he did win a lot of local tournaments growing up on the weekends, but they weren't pro tournaments. They were just friendly tournaments at local clubs. So Christmas Eve one night when the kids are in their six, seven, eight-year-old and The wife sits down on the couch and says, listen, honey, we've got enough money saved up. Go follow your dreams. Go, go do it. Go write a book. Most of all, go play golf, be a pro. We got plenty of money now go follow your dream in that uh, he'd rather uh, work and whatever. So she kisses him in the forehead and she leaves, Well, they're killed in a car crash that night. So he lost, lost his whole family. So the movie actually starts 15 years later in a trailer park in Arizona. And, um, He's a bum. He hasn't shaved in weeks. He smokes cigars. He listens to golf. He's got a little baby trailer. He's outside all the time. He's got a real pesty little 10-year-old neighbor that keeps coming over. Eventually, the friendship's going to build, and he's going to basically replace his dead daughter. It's going to be like his stepdaughter. They're really cute together. And then with the little girl with a waitress that she introduces Joe Bonham, my character, to, and a ghost who his wife channels herself through, who passed XPGA Pro, the three of them are going to get this guy to get off the couch, get off his butt, shave his face, and go out and start practicing again. He's terrible. He has to beat his nemesis, the course pro played by Richard Grico from 21 Gym Street. Looks good if looks good, kill the monsters, whatever. So he can't beat him though, because he's just not that same guy. He doesn't have the drive. He's just like, you know, just lazy kind of. I don't know. He's just always yeah, still, yeah. he's like missing his family, I guess. He's in depression. Well, when the love relationship starts with the waitress and all of a sudden it finally happens the next morning, he's flipping flapjacks and he's making eggs. He's the happiest guy ever. It's like everything was lifted off of him. So when he goes that day to, to try to beat the pro, not only does it beat him, he smashes him. He gets the pre-qualifier, He wins the prequalifier. Now he makes it to the open. But I'm not going to tell you what happens. But so that's kind of the story. It's just a guy. It's a the triumph over tragedy.
0: Uh, you So you played Joe. How close is that character? to you uh
1: real close in the golf part and the smoking cigar the tragedy yeah i mean i've got kids and i could not imagine losing my daughters are growing up now but i remember when they were that age and so it's pretty close um i'll never be a great golfer like joe bonas portrayed in the film but you know uh i'm pretty close i would say
0: was this filmed in arizona
1: entirely shot in Arizona on two beautiful golf courses out here in the middle of summer when I was 112.
0: Wow. How long did it take yeah. you to film the movie?
1: Uh, we went out for three weeks, came back and we had to go back out for weeks. So four total weeks. Wow.
0: Would you, how did you uh, get uh, Richard Greco to be part of the cast?
1: Richard and I are friends from a long time ago. We've known each other for quite a bit. We played a lot of golf together, a lot of competition between us. That's awesome. We became friends. We did stuff together. And we did a movie called Forget About It together with Burt Reynolds, Rockwell Wells, Robert Logan, Charles Durning, Phyllis Diller, and Richard and I. And we would sneak off the set and go play golf. So we've known each other for 15, 20 years.
0: Uh, when was this filmed, last year or a couple of years ago?
1: Yeah, no, Dream Round was filmed uh, exactly a year ago. Well, no, a little longer than that, about 14 months ago.
0: Uh, were, you, were you able to screen this anywhere?
1: Yeah, well, it actually opened in the Southwest in some theaters in February uh, last year, uh, this year, and we were getting ready to open from Minnesota to Connecticut, Connecticut to Miami. We were going to do like an L-shape of of America there, and we were in about 400 screens, but COVID hit, so we never made it.
0: It you know, did okay.
1: The, the, go yeah. ahead, sorry.
0: I was going to say, what's the plan now, uh, video on demand?
1: Yeah, video on demand. Well, we're going to be digital almost everywhere. It's like Amazon Prime to Redbox Digital, Voodoo, Xbox, PlayStation, Google Play, you name it. We're on it, including Best Buy, Walmart, Target for the DVDs, but not in-store, only online. Awesome.
0: So what's next for you? Any other uh, projects that you're coming out?
1: I just finished filming a movie called Carolina's Calling. Stars Antonio Zabato Jr., the ex Calvin Klein model and soap opera star, and uh Stacy Dash, who was in uh, Clueless and Mo Money. Uh, great cast. We also had uh, Jacob Hopkins from the Goldbergs. He's also a voice on a couple of Disney cartoons.
0: Yeah, I had he him was, on. Yeah, he's good.
1: Yeah, good kid. He's in the our film. He's the uh Antonio Zabato's daughter's love interest, or her her boyfriend had he had to do a southern carolina accent I doom my name was billy no <laughs> anyways he did a great job and i directed it i have a cameo in it it was uh i wrote the original draft and then it was rewritten by don avizio avizio don did she worked for production company in la did a lot of rewrites she did a fantastic job on the rewrite because it made she made the, the script incredible for us to shoot but we went up into the mountains. Right after they let us open a little bit in Arizona, we went up. We shot in a little town that looked like a South Carolina town, and it was all green. And we filmed up in the mountains for three weeks, and then we finished with a week down in Phoenix. And uh, editing, we had the rough draft, and now we're getting ready to do the a bigger cut edit, the final. Well, the CGI and all the good stuffs being edited right now, and uh, we got some majors in, involved in it. Now they really like it. It's a cool. It's basically a uh, comedy with an alien twist.
0: Yeah, I can see that, yeah, from what it sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like it's – when's that coming out?
1: God willing, everything lines up. It's going to go out in theaters in February if they're still around.
0: Yeah, who, that, knows. Who, be, who knows what's yeah. going on with that?
1: Well, I've been to two big movies in the last two weeks, and there's like 12 people at Liam Neeson's new movie. Uh, the Innocent Criminal, whatever it was, I watched it. I couldn't believe 400 seats. 400 seats. 12 people showed up and the week before I watched the other big one that came out. I uh, can't think of it. It was only six people in a big, I'm like, where are they going? Why aren't anybody? I mean, anyway, I don't know. All I know is I'd rather watch that on the big screen than a little screen at home. Yeah. So you can sit at home, but geez, you don't get the sound. You don't feel it. You can't get right. into it.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, cer- uh, certain yeah. movies you have to see at the movie theaters.
1: Yeah. Like Carolina's calling. There you
0: go. Um, Lastly, uh, Michael, how can the listeners uh, find you on social media? They could
1: go to uh, imdb.com, which is the Internet Movie Database, and put my name in. But me, I'm with the Facebook uh, actor Michael Sequela on Facebook or my Michael Sequela on Facebook. You can also find me on Instagram at Michael Sequela or also at Michael Sequela on Twitter. Those are
0: the ones I'm with. All right, Michael, this was fun. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Love to hear what it sounds like one
0: day. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC podcast. And our website, the Until next time.